2: Hey, Simon Adler here, a uh, producer at the show. Today, we're, we're going to play you an episode we made a while back, uh, back in 2017, and it's about how hard it's getting to decipher fact from fiction. And we wanted to do that because, well, next week we'll be putting out a story showing the real-world uh, political consequences of this new reality. What happens when these tools you're about to hear about get released into the wild. And so, without further ado, I give you breaking news.
4: Oh, wait, you're listening. Okay. All
0: right. Okay. All right. <coughs> you're listening, well, listening to Radio Lab. Lab.
4: Radio Lab. From
5: WNYC.
6: <laughs> <laughs> yep. All, right.
5: All
2: right. Hello, 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 hello.
6: Hello. I can hear you. They can't hear me.
4: No, we can hear you. No, we can yeah. hear you. Yeah, but yeah, you what can. we can but also hear, we can is, also us hear is us twice. Us yes. twice. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <clears throat> hey, I'm Jad Boomrod. I'm Robert Krulwich. This is Radio Lab, and today—Oops! Oops! Oops. You, don't, you, don't you, you, know, you don't hear us. You don't hear we us. We have a story about how hmm. Hmm. the echoes of you can go out into the world and come back, and bite you and all of us, really, in the butt.
2: Hmm. Uh, oh, wait. We maybe work fine now. Is my echo gone?
4: Yes. Okay. Okay. We're good. We're good. <laughs> And it comes to us from our producer, Simon Adler.
2: Yeah, like uh, uh, Nick, hello.
6: <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> okay, so <clears throat> this is Nick Bilton. My name is Nick Bilton. I'm a special correspondent for Vanity Fair. And his beat, you could say, is trying to predict the future of technology. To look into the future, um, into this kind of crystal ball and tr- try to predict what the next 5, 10, 15 years would look like for the media industry.
2: Do you have a good batting record? Like, did you did you call some big ones? Oh, yeah.
6: You know, phones in our pockets that would be like supercomputers that social media would drive news, not newspapers, and so on, and, and things like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's it's
2: been pretty good. I reached out to you because I, I came across this article that you wrote, an article that uh, sent shivers down my spine, and I'm not one to typically be given shivers by articles. So I, I guess, how did you stumble into all of this, and where, do, where does this start for you?
6: So uh, I was sitting around with some friends in my living room, and a friend of mine mentioned, oh, did you see this thing that Adobe put out recently?
2: We live in a time when more people than ever before believe that they can change the world. And that conversation led Nick to a video. Uh, a video online of the Adobe Max 2016 conference. There are tons and tons of people in the audience. This is amazing. And and up in front of them, it looks like the stage of a Apple product launch, but sort of beach themed. Why beach? I have absolutely no idea.
0: Hey, it's a little
1: TMI, don't you think? hey,
2: there are two hosts that are sitting in these like lifeguard chairs. Say you, say me. Comedian Jordan Peele.
1: Jordan Peele is in Key and Peele. Jordan
0: Peele.
2: Yes. And then the other host is this woman, uh, Kim Chambers, who is a marathon swimmer and uh, an Adobe employee.
0: Ooh. And then... Please welcome to the stage. On walks... Zeyu.
2: Zeyu, Zeyu Jin.
0: Hello, everyone.
2: Young guy. Glasses.
7: You guys have been making weird stuff online. <laughs> With photo editing.
2: And he says Adobe is known for Photoshop. We're known for editing uh, photos and doing magical things visually.
7: Well, we'll do the next thing today. Let's do something to human speech.
2: Pulls up a screen on a Mac
7: computer. Well, I have obtained this piece of audio where um, there's Michael Key talking to Peel about his feeling after getting nominated.
2: Keegan-Michael Key had been nominated for an Emmy, and uh, he and Jordan Peel were were talking about it.
7: Uh, There's a pretty interesting uh, joke here, so let's let's, uh, just hear it.
2: Uh, I jumped out of the bed, and um, and uh, uh, I kissed my dogs and my wife,
7: in that order. <laughs> Not a bad joke. So let's, uh, let's do something here. Okay, so suppose uh, Michael Key wants to send this uh, audio to his wife. So he-
2: in other words, what if Keegan-Michael Key was feeling like, oh, th- that was a little bit rough on my wife, that was a little bit mean. Uh, you know, maybe uh, he wanted to go and rewrite history and say that he kissed his wife before the dogs.
7: So he actually wants his wife to go before the dogs. So, okay, so what do we do easily? So
2: Zayu clicks a button uh, and the program automatically generates a transcript of the audio and projects it up on the screen behind him. You know, just text of what Keegan-Michael Key said.
7: Okay, let me zoom in a little bit.
2: And then copy, paste. He just highlights the word wife and pastes it over in front of dogs.
7: Okay, let's listen to it.
2: Clicks play. And uh, uh, I kiss my wife and my dogs.
3: Whoa.
1: Oh, so he was able to move the, edit the audio by moving the text around in the text box. Yes, exactly. Okay, well, that's kind of cool. Kind of impressive.
7: Wait. But then... Here's more, here's more. Uh, we can actually type something that's not here. So
2: Wait. Wait, what? I, just hang on. Just hang on.
7: I heard that, um, actually, that on that day, uh, Michael actually kissed uh, our Jordan. So... Sorry? <laughs> to recover the truth, let's do it. He
2: goes back into that little word box.
7: So let's remove the word my here. Your secret's out, Jordan. And uh, just uh, type the word Jordan.
2: So he types it out, J-O-R-D-A-N. And and just to be clear, uh, Keegan-Michael Key did not say Jordan anywhere in this clip.
7: And here we go. And uh, uh, I kissed Jordan and my dogs.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Wait, he just typed in a word that the guy never said and it made the guy say the word that he never said as if he actually said it? Exactly.
4: Well, you're a witch. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Jordan jumps out of his lifeguard chair, starts sort of stomping around the stage.
7: You, you, you a demon. Oh, yeah. I have magic. <laughs> and the last magic I'm going to show you guys is we can actually type small phrases. So let's say... Okay, so we're moving...
2: He deletes the words, my seven, dogs, two, and he types three,
7: three times. times. <laughs> oh! <laughs> and playback.
5: And uh, uh, I kissed Jordan three times. <laughs>
4: All right, wait a minute. <laughs> you are saying that Keegan Michael Key never said, ever said, Jordan never said three, never said times, never, never said any of those words, and somehow just from the typing in of it, the guy is now saying them, and we're hearing them in his voice. That's what just happened.
2: Yep, that is exactly what the demo claims. It's
6: essentially Photoshop for audio.
2: Nick built in again.
6: You could take as uh, as little as twenty minutes of someone's voice. Type the words, and it creates in that voice um, that sentence with with just twenty minutes of the guy talking. Yes, but how? How in heaven
4: <laughs> do you do this?
2: Okay. Well, and so we're we're here at Adobe. Um, what what exactly do you do here?
5: Sure, I'm the product manager for audio. This is during Gleaves. Um, I flew out to Seattle and tracked him down to ask him exactly that question. So essentially, what it does is it does an analysis of the speech and it creates it models, and it it, it basically. And he explained to me that this program, which they call
2: VOCO, by the way, um, what it does is it takes 20 minutes, or actually 40, if you want the best results, uh, of you talking, and it figures out all of the phonetics of your speech, all of the sounds that
5: you make. finds each little block of sound and speech that is in the recordings. Chops them all up, and then when you go and type things in. It will recombine those um, into that new word. But what if it encounters a sound that I've never made?
2: Well, uh, uh, the theory is in 40 minutes of speech, which is the amount they recommend you feed in, you're going to s- probably
1: say just about every sound really? in the English language. So if, if – if really? So like phonetically I go – I run through the gamut in, in 40 minutes? Yes. Wow.
2: Well, and uh, like what would you – or what are you hoping people will –
5: would use a product like Voco for? Uh, so for the video production tools and, and for what Audition is used for a lot is dialogue editing. The whole idea, Durin said, is to help people that work in movies and TV. A lot of our customers record great audio on set, uh, the actors and the dialogues and everything. Uh, and when they come back, uh, if sometimes there's a mistake or they make a change. Like
2: the actor on set said, shoe, uh, but what he was pointing at was obviously
5: a boot. And right now, there's they do what's called ADR they'll bring the actor in, they'll re-record uh, some lines, and they'll try and drop that into the video. But There's a lot of- you're not using the
2: same microphones, you're not mm-hmm. in the same location, the actor might be sick that day, so uh, his
5: voice sounds different. And, and things, you, a lot of times, you can really hear that stand out in, in productions if they don't get it just right. But with Voco, you just delete the word shoe, type in boot, and boom, there it is. Using the same source media and the same characteristics and have it just sound seamless and natural.
2: And so it, it, it it's going to be a sort of. Or the hope is that it will make the lives of professional post-production editors easier the
6: world over. That's our hope right now. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not exactly. Well, it's. I mean, it's. Um, what Nick Bilton thought when um, when he saw this video. It could be Donald Trump's voice or Vladimir Putin. Um, so I, I saw that and I thought, Wow! If imagine if audio clips start getting shared around the internet. Um, as fake news, um, of a fake conversation between, you know, Vladimir Putin and Paul Manafort about trying to get Trump into the White House or something like that. Right. And I was like, whoa, this is, this is scary stuff. But we're just getting started.
2: In the words of John Raymond Arnold, played by Samuel L. Jackson in the movie Jurassic Park, in his own voice,
5: Hold on to your butts.
2: things are about to get a lot So forget voices for a second because now one, two, three, four, five, one, two, three, four, five. It's FaceTime. All right, we are at the Paul G. Allen Center at the University of Washington in Seattle. So I left Adobe and went across town to talk to the head of the Grail. Lab. Uh,
8: Hello. Yeah. Hi. 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 Very nice to nice
2: meet you. Nice to meet you. Dr. Ira Kemmelmacher Schlizerman. Uh,
8: so I'm a professor uh, in the computer science department at the University of Washington and I also work at Facebook. Can I just have you come a little closer to <laughs>
5: there?
2: Okay. Just so, to back uh, up for a second, uh, when Nick first saw the Vocode
6: demonstration, he started to wonder okay, like how could this be used down the road? My original thesis was oh, well, maybe what will happen is that. You will be able to create 3D actors, just like you did in Star Wars. Then join it with the Voco stuff to create a fake Hillary Clinton and, you know, Donald Trump having a conversation or making out or whatever it is you want to do. And that led him to investigate the type of work that Ira does.
2: So I've been using these terms like facial reenactment and facial manipulation. Are those the are those the right words? And then what the hell do these words mean?
8: Yeah, so... Um I mean, it's all its all a way of animating faces, and it started from the movies, right? The
3: concept is to drive these remotely controlled bodies called avatars.
8: I
2: think like the aptly named movie Avatar. Or, uh...
4: Sergeant, yes!
2: Going a little further back. No sign of intelligent life anywhere. Toy Story. Hello? And to make the characters come alive, what you need is the expressions of the actors playing them.
8: So the movie space means that You will bring a person to a studio.
2: Then you cover their face with these sticky sensory marker
8: things. And then you will spend hours over hours capturing the person's little dynamics.
2: Like smile. Open mouth. Teeth. Closed mouth. No teeth. Sad. Surprised. Disturbed. Things like that. Angry. Bloated. Yeah. Frustrated. And from that, they create a virtual character capable of emoting all those expressions. And to make that character believable, the animators sometimes have to model a bone structure and muscles. And as you can imagine, this can get very, very expensive. And so what people like Ira started to wonder was, like, can this be done on a budget? So she and others in the field started feeding videos of faces into computers and trained those computers to break down the face into a series of points.
8: Our models are about... uh, Uh, 250 by 250. That is
2: 62,500 points on one human face.
8: And once we know that, right, we can track the points.
2: So so once you can track how my face moves through a video clip by these 250 by 250 Mm -hmm. points, what can you then do with that information?
8: Well, I can apply the um, points on the face on a different model of a different person.
2: Now this is this is where things get uh, quite strange uh, because instead of being able to map all of your facial movements onto a computer-generated uh, virtual character or person, uh, what Ira and others in this field of facial reenactment have have figured out how to do is to map your facial movements onto a real person, a a pre-recorded real person.
6: What? What does that even mean? Yeah, how does that work?
2: The the best example of this is uh, is this
6: piece of software that Nick showed us. Uh, This software that I found from these university students. Called Face to Face.
0: We present a novel real-time facial reenactment method that works with any commodity webcam.
2: There's a video demo of this, and uh, when you open it up, uh, this very monotone voice comes in saying...
0: Since our method only uses RGB data for both the source and target actor...
2: And you're like, what the heck is this? And the screen pops up...
0: Here, we demonstrate our method in a live setup.
2: On On the right, you've got this heavy set man uh, goatee spiked hair
0: on the right a source actor is captured with a standard webcam he's
2: arching his eyebrows he's pursing his lips he's opening his
1: mouth widely It's sort of like uh, like if you're making funny faces for a two-year-old kind of thing.
0: Yeah, and then this input drives the animation of the face in the video shown on the monitor to the left.
2: On the left, you've got this Dell computer screen displaying a CNN clip of George Bush. Uh, this is a real clip of Bush back from 2013, and his face is there, looking right at the camera, occupies most of that screen. A
0: significant difference to previous methods.
2: What you start to notice is uh, when the man with the goatee smiles. George Bush in the CNN clip also smiles. And when the man raises his eyebrows, George Bush raises his eyebrows. And you realize this man is controlling George Bush's face. Wait, so this is
1: a guy in in the present controlling a past George Bush, a real George Bush from an old video clip?
2: Yeah. Okay, I pulled up a video for you here. Okay, cool. And a little while back when we were just learning about this, uh, we happened to have our friend Andrew Morantz, who uh, writes for The New Yorker in the studio.
1: So that is George Bush's face. Mm -hmm. What? Oh, God. Oh, God. That's terrifying. His... Okay, so yeah, I cannot stop watching George Bush's face. Oh, they're doing it with Putin now. Holy God. So I just have a guy just sort of going... And
6: then that's what Putin is doing. Yeah. Uh-oh, now it's Trump. You know, I mean, those videos online had my mouth agape.
4: Again, Nick Bilton. This is this, this is a form of puppetry where
6: your face is the is the puppeteer. And the only thing is 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 that George W Bush is the puppet. So
4: I sit in front of a camera, I smile and the business is taken care of. It,
6: that's real time. This isn't like you have to render some software on your computer. It's literally you download a clip or you take a clip from cable news and you turn on your webcam and however long it takes you to do it and you're done. It's the same as just shooting a video on your phone. What is this for? Well, so what what are the applications of this?
8: Um, I want to be able to help help develop telepresence.
2: This is era again.
8: So telepresence Telepresence, yeah. What does that mean? Like? So for example, so my mom lives in Israel. Um, and I'm here and um uh, wouldn't it be cool if I could um, have some kind it's, it's kind of crazy, but right, but if I could have some kind of hologram of her sitting on my couch here and we can have a conversation.
2: And going one step further, one of Ira's colleagues, a guy by the name of Steve Seitz. I'm a professor at the University of Washington and I also work part time at Google. He told me that they I see really this technology like as like a building block that could one day be used to essentially virtually bring someone back from the dead.
9: I just think this technology uh, combined with virtual reality and other innovations could help me, you know, just be there in the room with Albert Einstein or Carl Sagan. You know,
4: that's sort of the motivation. That's what they want to do. That's the motivation. Talk to ghosts.
2: Well, for them, yes. And uh, when I was talking to some folks who work in commercials, they're developing their own version of this. And the idea is uh, that they're going to make a million or a billion dollars off of this because uh, say you bring, I don't know, uh, Jennifer Aniston in to film some makeup commercial. And in the makeup commercial, in English, she says, so come and buy this product. This is the best sort of whatever product around. Right now you've got China, which is a booming market. You maybe want to market things to China, and you'd really like to be able to use Jennifer Aniston. Problem is, Jennifer Aniston doesn't speak mandarin so either you use the same audio clip and you have uh, someone come in and speak uh mandarin over her and the lips don't line up or you have to hire a mandarin speaking uh actor to come in and do the part of jennifer aniston with this technology all you have to do is record jennifer aniston once you can hire a mandarin speaker and the mandarin speaker's voice will be coming out of jennifer aniston's mouth as if she had said it and In front of the camera.
1: Her lips would be moving as if she were a perfect Mandarin speaker? Exactly. Exactly. Wow.
2: I think that part wow. of it is actually incredible. That's,
1: that's amazing. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm amazed and completely frightened by what you're telling me.
2: And that's the whole point of what Nick was writing about that uh, that gave me shivers. Uh, that, that someday, if you join the video manipulation with the VOCO voice manipulation...
6: You, you're... You're the, the ultimate puppeteer. You can create anyone talking about anything that you want. In their own voice. And having any kind of emotion around it. And you'd have it right there for everyone to see in video. And all you need to do is take that and put it on Twitter or Facebook. And if it's shocking enough, I, minutes later, it's everywhere. Like
2: the timing of you guys making this thing and then this explosion of fake news like how, how do you guys think about about how it could be used for nefarious purposes?
8: Uh, yeah, it's a good question. Um,
2: Again, you're a Kemmelmacher Schlitzerman.
8: I feel like when every technology is developed then there there is this danger of uh, without technology you um, you can create fake videos and so on. Or I don't want to call it fake videos, but like to create video from audio, right? But uh, they are we fake can, we, videos. We can, we can, yeah, yeah, but the way that I think about it is that like, scientists are doing their job in showing, like, inventing the technology and showing it off, and then we all need to like, think about the next steps, obviously. I mean, people should work on that. Um, and the answer is not clear. Maybe it's education, maybe it's um, every video should come up with some code now that this is... This is like authentic video or authentic text and you don't believe anything else. I mean, yeah. But
2: like it, it, maybe it was the timing more than anything, but I saw this video and it really felt like, oh my God, like America can't handle this right now. Like we're in a moment where where, where truth seems to be sort of a an open, dis- what, what is true is has become an open discussion. And this seems to be adding fuel on the fire of sort of... Uh, competing narratives in a way that I I find troubling. And I'm just curious that you don't.
8: Um, I think that that people, if people know that such technology exists, then they will be more skeptical, my guess. I don't know. But if people know that fake news exists, if they know that fake texts exist, fake videos exist, fake photos exist, then everyone is more skeptical in what... They read and see.
2: But like a man in North Carolina, I think he was from North Carolina, believed from a fake print article that Hillary Clinton was running a sex ring out of a pizza parlor in D.C., which is like insane. This man believed it and showed up with a gun. And if people are at a moment where they are willing to believe stories as ludicrous as that, like I don't expect them to wonder if this video is real or not.
8: Um, so what are you asking?
2: I'm asking, well, I'm asking, do you are you afraid of the power
8: of this? and if not, why? just I, I'm just giving my op- I don't know it just uh, I'm answering your questions, okay. but I'm a technologist, I'm a computer scientist, so um, not really, because I know how to- re- I, I know that because I know that this technology is reversible. I mean nobody well, there is not. Not worried too much.
2: Have you seen these videos? Otherwise I can text it. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I have. And as we were feeling worried and more than that, surprised that the folks making these technologies weren't, uh, we decided to do a sort of gut check, see if we were totally off base and get in touch with one of the guys who's on the front lines
3: of this.
4: Can you describe what was going through your head when you were watching Bush's face?
3: I can tell you exactly what I was thinking. I was thinking... How are we going to develop a forensic technique to detect this? (laughs) (laughs) This
2: is Hani Farid.
3: I am a professor of computer science at Dartmouth College.
2: He's sort of like a Sherlock Holmes of digital
3: misdeeds, which means that he spends a lot of time sitting around looking at pictures and videos. Trying to understand where has this come from, has it been manipulated, and should we trust it?
2: He's done work for all sorts of
3: organizations. the AP, The Times, Reuters. Who want to know if, say, a picture is fake or not. They often will ask me, you know, particularly when like, this just happened actually yesterday, images came out of North Korea. Um, and every time images come out of these regimes where there's a history of photo manipulation, there are real concerns about this. So I was asked to determine if they've been manipulated in some way. And if so, how had they been manipulated? And what? how, how the heck would you do that? Well... Every time you manipulate data, you're going to leave something behind. Um, so So
2: let's say you do some funny business to a photo. You might create some noticeable distortion in the picture
3: itself, but you also might distort the data. And we're in the business of basically finding those distortions in the data. For
2: example, imagine he gets sent a photo.
3: It's probably a JPEG. JPEG, which now is 99% of the image formats that we see out there, is what is called a lossy compression scheme. Just a fancy way to say that
2: when a photo is taken and stored as a JPEG, the camera, you know, just to save space, throws a little bit of the data away.
3: So for example, if I went out to the Dartmouth Green right now and took a picture of the grass,
2: The camera isn't going to store all those millions of little variations of green hidden in the grass because that would be just a huge file. It's going to save space by throwing some of those greens away.
3: You just don't notice if it changes like a lot or a little bit less than that. It just grass as far as you can tell. Now,
2: here's Honey's trick. Every camera has a subtly different palette of greens that it's going to keep and
3: greens that it's going to throw away. This varies tremendously from device to device. An iPhone compresses the image much more. So less greens. Than a high-end Nikon or a high-end Canon.
2: Which would keep more of those variations of green. Now if you hold these two pictures side by side, you might not be able to tell the difference. But, Hani says, when you look at the underlying pixels, there are different recognizable patterns.
3: If you take an image off of your iPhone, I should be able to go into that JPEG and look at the packaging and say, ah, yes, this should have come out of an iPhone. But if that image is uploaded to Facebook and then redownloaded or put into Photoshop and resaved, it will not look like JPEG consistent with an iPhone. So
2: basically, he can see at the level of the pixels or data whether the picture has been messed with in any way. Huh. And this is, of course, just one of many different ways that Hani can spot a fake.
4: Yeah. yeah. Let me ask, like, if you could go up against the top 100 best counterfeiters, Mm. do you think you'd catch them 10% of the time, 50% of the time? Just out of curiosity, what's your sense?
3: Um, I would say we could probably catch 75% of the fakes. But I, I would say that would take a long time to do. This is not an easy task. And so, you know, the, the pace at which the media moves does not lend itself to careful forensic analysis of images. Um, I'm always amazed that you know, you get these emails. You're like, all right, you got 20 minutes, and um, you would need, you know, half a day, a day per image. Oh. Still, a very manual and a very human process.
2: It, so, are is this video editing and this audio editing that's coming down the pipeline here? Yeah, I, I guess should I be should I be terrified?
3: Um. Yes, you should. Um, oh no! Yeah. Did you re- do you really mean that? Yeah, I think it's. I think it's going to raise the fake news thing to a whole new level. I did see some artifacts, by the way, in the videos. They are not perfect, but that's neither here nor there because the ability of technology to manipulate and alter reality is growing at a breakneck speed. Um, And the ability to disseminate that information is phenomenal. So I, I can't stop that, by the way, because at the end of the day, it's always going to be easier to create a fake than to detect a fake.
9: Thank you very much. Jad himself just handed me a cup of water, which shows none of you have gotten too big for your britches. And that could be a serious problem. I would like to have seen Peter Jennings do that. Ever for this guy. My name is John Klein, co-founder and CEO of Tap Media. Before that, president of CNN US. Oh, wow. Before that, I was executive vice president of CBS News, where I was executive in charge of 60 Minutes, 48 Hours, and a bunch of other things.
2: And he's had to react to some serious evolutions in the media industry. Uh, he was manning the helm as social media exploded, as smartphones became ubiquitous, and Consequently, he had to deal with figuring out how and if to trust thousands of hours of video taken on these smartphones and sent in by viewers, what to broadcast and what not to. And so we wanted to know how someone in his position would think about these fake videos. So we sent him all of the different demos and videos we'd come across just to see what he
9: thought. First thought was that this is the kind of thing that a James Bond villain would put to use or uh, the Joker In Mm -hmm. Batman, or an eighth-grade girl who, who, (laughs) right, wants to be most popular. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I mean, this is. There's so many ways to abuse this. Blows your mind. I mean, it. It goes to the very core of communication uh, of any sort, whether it's television or radio or interpersonal. it is what I'm seeing true? Is what I'm hearing real? Um, well, in,
2: in your over the course of your career, you've seen multiple technological developments that have uh, impacted the media in rather profound ways. Where is your terror level right now, or your fear level, caused by this, relative to all of the other sort of advancements that have occurred over over your career?
9: It's terrifying, it, and it it. Hurdles us even faster toward that point where no one believes anything. How do you have a democracy in a country where people can't trust anything that they see or read
6: anymore? What what we saw happen with the fake news during the election cycle was that um, all the, it doesn't it didn't even need to matter if anyone you know would rebuff it afterwards. This is Nick Bilton again it would reach millions and millions of people in mere seconds and and you and that was it you'd done it had done its, its job and i think that with this audio stuff uh, and the video stuff that's gonna that's gonna come down uh, uh, on, online in the next few years, um, it's gonna do the same thing, but but no one's gonna know what's real and what's not.
4: I moved on her actually. You know, she was down in a Palm Beach. I moved on
2: her, and I failed. And what's more, Nick says,
6: if you think about the video that came out of Donald Trump from Access Hollywood, you know, I'm
4: automatically attracted to beautiful. I just start kissing Um them.
6: The thing that was really interesting about that video,
4: and when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything.
6: Whatever you want. Grab him by the. You don't actually see Donald Trump until the very last second when he gets off the bus. —
4: How are you? Hi. — You
6: only hear him.
4: — Make me a soapstone.
5: How a little hug for the Donald?
6: And so if that technology existed today, I can guarantee you that Donald Trump would have responded by saying, Oh, it's fake. It's fake news, fake audio. You can't see me. I didn't say that. And it would just be this video's word against his.
1: Actually, that's kind of like, for me, that's sort of the real problem here. Like, you create this war- this possibility for, like, plausible deniability that's e- so everything. broad. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, it's like the tobacco industry in the 60s and 70s. I was just reading this great article by uh, the, the, uh, the writer Tim Harford about this. In the 60s and 70s, the tobacco industry led this very calculated effort to sort of push back against cancer science by, you know, just injecting a little bit of doubt here, a little bit of doubt there. Right, but on the other hand. On, the, on the other hand the other, this, yeah. and on the other hand that. And the idea was to create just enough wiggle room that nothing happens. They do that with climate change too. Exactly. Yeah. And it's that little bit of doubt that creates a paralysis. And is that what's going to happen? That, like, there's going to be paralysis now writ large? Because now we're talking about the very things we see, the very things we hear.
4: But wait, but we, don't you think that before we get completely carried away with the threat of this technology, you know, maybe we should just find out literally where we are now. Yeah, we should give it a spin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so at this moment,
2: do you think making one of these clips is is, is possible?
4: Yeah, I think it's entirely possible.
6: Um, it just, I, I would be careful what it is.
1: After the break, things get fake.
9: Howdy everyone, it's Angela calling from Dallas, Texas. Radiolab is supported in part by the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation, enhancing public understanding of science and technology in the modern world. More information about Sloan at www.sloan.org. Thanks, Radiolab.
0: Radiolab is supported by Babbel. Sometimes self-improvement can feel like a pretty overwhelming journey. So what if this year you just got a tiny bit better every day? Go to ZBiotics.com slash Radiolab to get 15% off your first order when you use Radiolab at checkout. ZBiotics is backed with a 100% money-back guarantee. If you're unsatisfied for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. That's ZBiotics.com slash Radiolab and use the code Radiolab at checkout for 15% off. Each election season, political memoirs abound, doorstops that sometimes divulge more than intended.
9: No matter how diligently they present themselves in the most electable light, they always reveal themselves. Their insecurities, their fears, their ambitions.
0: How to read a Politico on this week's On the Media from WNYC. Find On the Media wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Jad. Robert. Radio Lab. So, we're back. We're going to now fake something. We're yes. going to build our own video from scratch. Fake words, fake faces, because we
1: wanted to know, like, in use, how dangerous are these technologies really?
4: Can they make a convincing fake? Are they as easy as advertised? So, we will find out by giving the assignment, as always, to our long-suffering Simon Adler. So, while I was in Seattle talking to Duran Gleaves, yeah, I not-so-subtly
2: hinted up, that I would really like oh, to uh, to give Voco a whirl. Let's um, say I had my hands on it somehow. Absolutely. What can I do with it?
5: Well, right now, nothing, because we haven't shared it with anybody.
2: <laughs> <laughs> At first, I just thought he didn't want me to be able to play
5: around with it, but oh, then I realized... But uh, and I don't even have a personal copy for myself yet. <laughs> oh, so it's not even on the premises here. No, it's, it's still very much uh, contained to research. Oh.
2: But... Hiya, hi, are you there? Hey, Matt. Hiya, uh, yeah, yeah Gre- I'm here. Great. Uh, eventually, I got in touch with this guy.
10: So, I'm Dr. Matthew Aylott. I'm the chief science officer at Seraproc Limited.
2: Which is a vocal synthesis research company based in Edinburgh. Yeah. Okay, so I called you up because I was hoping that you could help me to make... A video clip that has, I don't know, like George Bush or Barack Obama saying things that they have never said. Yep, that sounds great.
1: That's it. Use his game?
2: Yeah. Now, see, the thing is, what his company does is not quite the same as Voco. What they do is, like for a client, they'll create a voice that you can then just type in words or sentences and make that voice say whatever you want it to say.
1: I feel sad. That's an interesting they, idea.
2: They've uh, created voices with a variety of accents.
6: Grace, rooted blossomer.
2: In a variety of languages.
6: Barcelona media. Konnichiwa. Konnichiwa.
2: And in their spare time when they're not making voices for clients,
10: it's governor Arnold Schwarzenegger, I think
2: uh, they're building celebrity voices. And it just so happens they've got a Barack Obama and a George Bush bot.
10: Yeah. How did you create a George Bush robot? Well A great thing about George Bush is that he was president of the United States for some time. Good morning. Good morning. Mm.
2: Good morning. Which means he had to give...
10: the weekly presidential address. A week ago today, I received a great honor. And the other great thing about the address is it's completely copyright free, so we're allowed to do anything we like with that audio. For the people of America. Maybe things that they haven't envisaged that we're going to do with it.
2: Real quick digression here, just because it's absolutely fascinating. Uh, it looks like we're actually about to enter this really sticky gray area when it comes to voice ownership.
10: For example, an audiobook.
2: So if you record an audiobook and you've signed over the rights to those audio files, to the publisher. The publisher has the copyright. You, you, you don't own it. You do not own your own voice.
10: Is that really true? Yeah. Anyway... Back to Bush. So I took all those weekly addresses. About
2: six hours worth, which is a lot more tape than Voco's 20 minutes. But what he did with it is pretty similar. Right. He fed them into this machine learning algorithm along with their transcripts.
10: And then what the program will do… Uh, it will take the text and it will analyze it in terms of the linguistics. So it will say, this is the word… Social security. Social. The word social is made up of the sound s-o-sh-l right? Mm-hmm. And so we'll cut those sounds up into lots of little tiny pieces. And
2: it did that for all of the words in all of these addresses, around 80,000 in total. Put them all in this database with tons of info about what sound came before it, after, etc. And
10: once that database is built, uh, all that's left to do? I type in some text and then I push go and it, Try and find a set of little sounds which will join together really nicely. And then I push play and see how well they came out.
2: So, what we did was we found an old video of former presidents George Bush and Barack Obama together.
6: I want to, uh, I want to thank They're
2: shaking hands, making uh, generic annoying, statements. Uh, the exact clip isn't important. Excellent. But we wondered could we turn that clip from a boring meet and greet to a scenario where Bush is telling Obama a joke. Hmm. So we convinced a comedy writer, Rachel Axler, who works for the show Veep, uh, to write a few jokes, then sent it off to Matt. And this is what the computer spat out.
3: And, well, it goes something like, knock, knock. Who's there?
4: Oval. Oval who? Oval. I think it's something about the Oval Office, probably. That was a, a very good joke, Mr. President. My wife, Laura,
10: tells it better. What the
3: hell is that?
4: Wait, what? It, Whoa, was that, that me- was terrible. <laughs> Whoa. That was not – technically okay. <laughs> that was like was – like,
1: I don't even get – A, I don't understand that joke at all. And that's literally what the computer sped out? That is what the computer sped out. And truth be told, I don't
2: think it's anywhere It, it did. – it is not worthy of the negative response that you are giving that's terrible. It's,
4: your, it's terrible.
2: It's terrible. Let, let me show you another one.
10: So happy to be joining forces with this good man to put cortisol in your drinking water. But what?
1: Cortisol. Cortisol?
10: It's to help protect people's teeth so they don't get fillings. Isn't that fluoride? Oh, shoot. I think
0: I signed the wrong bill.
1: <laughs> That's a legit- Pretty good. <laughs> That's a Pretty legitimate... Good. No, the, the robots are terrible. I couldn't hear cortisol, but the joke though. is funny. Yeah, I like a, the joke. Yeah. But the robots just massacred that joke, no, which I, is in itself kind of a joke.
2: Well, I do think, that, yeah, uh, let me get into it. Well, I think that you two are far more critical than you should be, and you are far more <laughs> critical than the average listener. However, Matt. is <laughs> <laughs> so wrong about no, that. No, but anyway, anyhow. Matt did tell me that uh, conversations, uh, getting people to, to talk back and forth to each other, are, are still really difficult for a synthesizer to do.
10: So, you know, conversational stuff is always difficult. And in fact, we're gonna, it's going to be a long time before we get really, really easy conversational synthesis. There's all sorts of barriers to that.
2: There's a human quality uh, to to a conversation that, uh, that that the synthesizers can't quite capture yet. But he also told us that um, you know if we add once we add the video or if we add a video to this, uh, it will smooth out a lot of a lot of the problems.
10: When you have the faces as well speaking, people are not focusing on the audio, mm-hmm. and you can't hear the the errors in the same way. So. Hello.
2: Hey, this is Kyle. Oh, yeah. Great, great. I found these two grad students.
8: My name is Shinsuke Saito.
2: My name is Kyle Olszewski. From uh, the University of Southern California.
8: USC. They
2: also do a lot of facial reenactment research and agreed to help us. But, uh... Making these visuals also turned out to be way harder than we thought. Uh, Turned out the clip we chose posed some serious challenges. Uh, There were too many side shots of Obama's face. Uh, The lighting was all wrong. And uh, eventually I got an email one late Sunday night saying uh, it's not going to work.
4: Okay. So now I think I can draw a line here. And I can point out that this—that that we maybe got overexcited about this technology. It is not yet ready for true deceit. You have been fumbling and fumbling and fumbling here. I have not with been the,
1: fumbling. Well, they, I, I am not the best, running the back, back here. Okay. <laughs> I find it interesting psychologically that Simon feels like it's a personal <laughs> failure. I don't like to fail. <laughs> You
4: should. This is
1: failure. Uh, so okay, just just uh, just on Simon's behalf, on the behalf of actually trying to answer the question, we felt like okay, maybe maybe we should try this one last time. Let's find a simpler Obama video and with the audio rather than like whole phrases. Let's just do a couple of word replacements here or there. And by the way, the only reason we we're using Obama is that he seems to be the guy all these technologies are built around. In any case, we chose the video of Obama's last weekly address, and we chose the audio from a talk he'd given in Chicago uh, after he'd left office.
4: So, uh, what's, what's been going on while I've been gone?
1: In this speech, he sort of talks about what he's going to do next, how he's still going to keep fighting for what he believes is right.
4: Filled with idealism and absolutely certain that somehow I was going to change the world. But we thought, what if in an alternate
1: reality he didn't want to keep fighting? What if he could, at that moment, see the divisions ahead and he was just like, that's oh, too much, I give up. Now, truth is, we didn't think too hard about this because we didn't have much time. We just whipped it together, did a script based on words Obama used with a few changes, sent it off to the guys at USC.
2: Uh, and I videotaped myself uh, saying this new script so that uh, we could use that video of my face to puppetize uh, the former president. And uh, when, when we got the final video back...
1: I have to say, it was. I was expecting it to be horrible and we were to have a good laugh, but I it went from like laughy giggly to to oh, wait, this is cr- creepy.
2: Well, yeah, no, I I, I was suddenly uh, I had been gangbusters. We got to release this thing uh, and not tell anybody and try to fake out the entire world. Uh, but when when I saw it, there was a. Uh, A reluctancy.
4: You mean you went,
1: oh, no? I
2: went, oh, God, yeah, yeah. I thought, oh, this, this.
1: You know, my personal thought was like it was convincing enough that I got genuinely spooked. But, you know, just in fairness, we shouldn't sit around talking about something people can't see. Go to futureoffakenews.com and check it out for yourself. It's all one word, futureoffakenews.com, and it'll pop right up. You can see. Tell us what you think. You can see how Simon made the video. Check it out. Anyhow, the whole process got us all thinking, like, oh, wow, if we bunch of idiots can do this uh, for no money very, very quickly, what will this mean to, like, a newsroom, for example, just to start there?
9: Uh, we're at the level now with, with this kind of thing where we need technologists to to verify or knock down. And Again, and look, news executive man. John Klein. I don't think journalists— English majors are are, are going to be the ones to to solve this. You know, you, you may have been editor of your school paper, but this is beyond your your capability. But if you're good at collaborating with engineers and scientists, uh, you, you know you, you'll you'll have a good chance of working together to to figure it out. So we need we need technical expertise more than we ever have. Can I ask
1: you, in your heart, so this is, let, me, let me compare your heart to my heart for a second. In my heart, I want somebody to tell the researchers, yeah, sorry, you can't do that. Sorry, you know, I, I know it's really cool. I know, you, I know you probably are really proud of that algorithm, but um, some men in black are going to walk in right now, and they're going to take your computers away. And, and you, you, you just can't. Sorry. Society is going to overrule you right now. Do you? Is there a part of you that just dictatorially wants to just like squash this?
9: Well, sure. But wouldn't you still have the – what are they? The FSB in Moscow or the CIA utilizing this and developing it anyway, weaponizing it, so to speak? Probably. And I think that the top-down model – could never contain that.
2: John says ultimately what's happening is probably going to be bigger than any one organization or any one newsroom can solve. He said it'll probably end up coming down to the 14 and 15-year-olds of tomorrow who will grow up using this technology, making fake videos, being the victims of fake videos, and that maybe in the maze of them having to parse truth from fiction in such a
9: personal way, some kind of code will develop. I'm an optimist by nature. I, I do I look at this and I say, "Well, somebody's going to figure it out. W- what worries me is the larger context within this ta- within which this takes place. Uh, w- this is all occurring within a context of massive news illiteracy, and the the consumers seem to be just throwing their hands up and tiring of trying to even figure it out. And so just the the the, the work involved, in getting to the bottom of the truth is unappealing to a growing percentage of the audience. And I'm not sure where Gen Z, the teenagers of today, come out on this. Let's hope that they are more willing to do the work, maybe out of self-interest, maybe so that they're not dissed by, you know, the girl in social studies. But that's our best hope for overcoming it. Because everybody else seems to be sick of trying.
1: Reporter Simon Adler. This piece was produced by Simon and Annie McCune. Very special thanks to Kyle Oshevsky and the entire team at USC's Institute for Creative Technology for all their work manipulating that video of President Obama. And thanks to Matthew Ailette for synthesizing so, so many words for us. Rachel Axler for writing us the jokes that we tried to use. Uh, Sohum Pawar for building us an amazing website. Angus Neal, Amy Parle, everybody in the WNYC newsroom for uh, advising us and uh, giving us reaction shots to the face-to-face
4: video. And to David Carroll for putting us in touch with Nick Bilton in the first place. And to Nick Bilton for inspiring this whole story with his article. He's got a new one, uh, a book, actually, American Kingpin, about the founder of a black market website called The Silk Road. And to and Sewedgenicorn, computer scientist who works in Ira's lab, who helped us understand what the heck was going on. And finally, you can see the video that we
1: created as well as a bunch of other kind of... Uh, Crazy clips that we mentioned throughout this episode. It's at Future of Fake It's all one word. Future of Fake And uh, with that, my real co hosts and I will bid you adieu. I'm Jad Aboumer. I'm Robert Krolwich. That's who we really are. I'm glad we could finally be honest about that. Yeah, all these
4: years.
3: Message
0: two. New no, from an external number.
10: This is John Klein calling from the frontiers of media. My name is Dr. Matthew Aylert, and I am the Chief Science
3: Officer of CeraProc Images. I am Hani Fareed, Professor of Computer Science at Dartmouth College. Radio Lab was created by Jed Abamrod. Jed Abamrod. It is produced by Soren
10: Wheeler. Dylan Keith is our Director of Sound Design. Our staff includes Simon Adler, David Cabell, Tracy Hunt. Max Keelty, Robert Krolich, Annie McEwen, Latif Nasser, Melissa Harry Ann Wack, and Molly Webster. With help from Soham Pawar, Rebecca Chasson, Rebecca Chasson, Nigel Batali, Phoebe Wang, and Katie Ferguson. Our fact checker, Michelle Harris.
0: End of message. To hear the message again, press 2. To delete it, press 7-6.